Basketball is about impact. Or you move forward, or you move backward. This is about toughness, and this is about consistency. Because every team can be tough on one action. But to be tough on every single action for 40 minutes, I think the toughest team are those ones who are able to go from offense to defense, from defense to offense, always next possession, the next possession mentality. Now, whatever happened, a bad call, a bad play, a bad pass, a bad turnover, the coach will yell on you, you go to the next possession. Welcome to Slapping Glass, where we explore basketball's best ideas, strategies, and coaches from around the world. Today, we're excited to welcome the head coach of Paris basketball in France's Pro A division, JC Pra. Coach Pra is here today to discuss the details of building a game plan, connecting closeouts to that game plan and scouting report, and we talk execution, toughness, and guarding flare screens during the always fun start, sub, or sit. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe to both the podcast and our Sunday morning newsletter, where you can access weekly detailed tactical breakdowns and find out more about SG+, a resource and community that current members are calling the best platform to learn, grow, and connect with other coaches. Visit slappingglass.com for more information today. And now, please enjoy our conversation with Coach J.C. Pra. Coach, thanks so much for coming on the show and spending some time with us. We're really excited to talk to you. Thank you. I'm really proud to be a part of your show, too. Thank you very much, Coach. Coach, a lot to get into with you today, but we want to start with building out a game plan for an opponent and all that goes into it behind the scenes before you hit the floor. And you sent us an example of a game plan, which was very interesting. So we want to just start by throwing it to you on your thoughts on building out a game plan before you play an opponent. First of all, what I will say is something which worked for me. This is not the truth. This is something uh, I build up through my experience, which worked for me. It doesn't mean it will work for someone else. The first thing I am doing is to watch games. Even before I talk to the assistant coach, even before I'm looking at any uh, data, video scouting, I just want to watch games. Basically, it goes from one to many, many, many. Sometimes it's just one game. I need to find the key with my eye of what the opponent is trying to do. What is the let's say, the philosophy of the opponent. Is this a running team? Is this a defensive team? What is the strength and the weaknesses of this team? Until I didn't find those keys, I'm watching games. And I'm not talking with my assistant coach first. So it can go to, usually speaking, I'm not talking about playoffs, but from one to three, four games. What I like to do also, it's to watch a game versus a team who got the same defensive system than us which will help me also to see if uh, my system, the system we, we try to implement at Paris Basketball, could work or if on this game we have to change some orientation. So this is really the first part of my scouting. If I am talking about timeline, it goes from the week before we play uh, this opponent. So I'm already watching games. And then after the last game we played, I'm watching the, the last game of the opponent. And then I go to the next level, 
Well, the first level, the one I just described, is what I call the big picture. I want to have a clear idea with my eye. Doesn't mean my eye will be good, huh? because after we have to compare my opinion to the opinion of my staff, because the opinion of my staff is really, really important. The main idea is not to be wrong or to be right, is to come to the player with the good game plan. Because to be wrong or to be right is just a matter of ego. I'm not a coach. I'm not the only one. More you got eyes and better your game plan will be. I will listen to all the ideas of the staff. The second part is what I call the details after the big picture. On the details, first of all, I'm watching with the first assistant coach who is in charge of the opponent's scouting, the video, offensively and def defensively, the clips he put together. I ask him the same question I was asking myself before you go to those details. What do you think? What is the fear of the other team? So it's not a matter of uh, tricking my assistant coach. It's uh, just to first see if we are on the same page. And if we are not on the same page, maybe one of us gets something the other one didn't get. So then after, offensively, I'm watching all the fast break, primary break, transition, secondary break. I'm watching the play they run the most, the play they are the most efficient, the play who could put us in trouble regarding our defensive system. And then we decide together first which play we're going to work on the court because every team got a lot of plays. There is a big difference between player and coaches. The coach we got in our staff is uh, we must know the plays of the opponent better than the opponent know their own system. This is for the coach. But players, this is something really different. Really, really different. You must go straight to the main point. So usually speaking, I don't know if you know the philosophy of our club, but I have to, to before to come back to the game plan, we are a young club which like to develop a young player. We got a really young roster. Uh, we got three, almost three teenagers in our team. Two of them are in the starting lineup. So Basically, I'm not coaching this team like uh, many other coaches. From Monday to Friday, they prepare their team regarding the plays of the opponent. We start to work on the opponent only two days before the games. So the first part of the week is much more about us and about developing uh, our system, developing the skill of our player because we work a lot individually. And at the end of the week, two days before, we start to prepare the player to the next game. Sometimes it's not even two days before. Sometimes it's just one day before and the shooting, the shooter. It depends on if the opponent fit to our system because we have a defensive system, which is not good this year. <laughs> sometimes you get a good chemistry, sometimes you don't have. But basically, we got a system with simple rules, really simple rules. And we adapt few things regarding the opponent. You cannot do everything with young player. If I got only experienced player, maybe I will work differently. But with this team, with the philosophy of the club, with a lot of young players, you cannot go uh, too much on tactical. To come back to the um, video scouting, we go also to the defense of the opponents. Same thing, how they do ball pick. Do they get back well? Because sometimes before running ball pick, you, you have to care about the get back of the opponents. Is this something we need to emphasize? How they do in the right screen? How they do ball pick at the end of the possession? And also how they get in trouble versus the last opponent. All those details will help us to 
choose inside the, our plays which one we're going to play or which one we want to push the player to play for this game. So that's the second part. And this meeting occurs, usually speaking, the first day in a regular uh, week. Uh, on Monday, we got a staff meeting on this. We spend around like one hour, 30, two hours. This is a Monday is a long day. We got two practices. We hit in our facilities and the uh, beginning of the afternoon, we spend like two hours talking about that just to exchange all the ideas, like a, a big brainstorming. And I, I want to listen. This is not a meeting I talk a lot. This is a meeting I listen a lot. Coach, there's a lot of great stuff in there to pull apart. So you know, going from the big picture, obviously down into the details. And you mentioned about going over an opponent's best plays and then also plays that just might give your defensive coverages potential problems. Yes. So around how many of their best plays or problem plays will you then as a staff choose to introduce to your team? And then how do you introduce it? Is it breakdown drills where you're going over the actions or is it just walking through the actual sets or a mixture? How do you dive into what the other team does best? That's a really good question. On Tuesday, we got a really strong defensive session. So we are playing only one game a week. And during this session, we got a 40 minutes, four on four situation, half court and full court. Usually speaking, on those four on four situations, we are working on around like two, three situations. I already take some of the main situation I will face on next Saturday to work on it. But the player does not know it will be part of the next game plan. I just try to make them work to improve on, I don't know, maybe a flare screen or a back screen or a T-game or whatever, or, or a Spanish screen on the side resort and a Spanish screen in the middle. And without saying them, we are working on the next opponent. It's just about us first. So the second meeting we have, Tuesday, we got the data's meeting. And the data's meeting, what I sent to you, Patrick, this is not the game plan. This is really interesting because my owners are American, Eric Schwartz and David Ken. They're coming from a different world than us. They are coaching data in America now. This is incredible. <laughs> Since the movie uh, Moneyball. Yeah, <laughs> right. And uh, Dallas Mavericks, I guess it's in uh, 2013. They, everybody said they won the title because of the data or thanks to the data. I don't know. But they bring a special analyst name is James Newman. He's running all those data, the scouting data you've got. I sent it to you. And we got this meeting on Tuesday. That's really, really interesting because they are going really far in America, in NBA on that. We are going really far here also, but not as far as they are going. So this data meeting is interesting because we mixed data and video. So basically, we mixed all those details together which kind of covering on ball pick they are efficient. Because sometimes your eyes are seeing something, but numbers, they never lie. And sometimes my high, sometimes I, I trust my high. This is something with all those videos, those data, this is just tools. Then after all, you have also to decide what you see, what you feel, and not only with your tools. Yes, data doesn't lie, but sometimes... I got a strange feeling, so I have to manage and to take the decision at the end. This meeting is really interesting because uh, it helps us also to go to the lineup. It helps us to go to uh, which kind of defense, full court defense we will run because we got man-to-man pressing full court or we got also a zone press. Um, sometimes you get team to go man-to-man because they got only one point yard. If you cut the point yard, the second guard will bring the ball up. So 
they can be in trouble. Sometimes you can have a team they are really struggle versus a zone press. So all those data will help us to define which kind of defense, which kind of offense, which kind of lineup we're going to put in front of their lineup. It will also help us to define uh, which kind of closeout we're going to make because we got two kinds of closeouts. We got what we call, and I guess all the coaches get this, but we got contain closeout. We got a deny closeout. We got a deny closeout, send him on the left or on the right. For example, if you have to send, if you're facing a shooter and the shooter only uh, drive on the left hand, you got a deny closeout on the right hand, even if you're giving the middle. This, we combine it through the data. With the data you're receiving, is it more so lineups that were could be effective against this opponent? Or do you want to see lineups that have been effective the past couple of weeks that are playing well together? So you know, as far as in your mind, maybe some substitution patterns that these guys are playing well. Or like I said, is it a lineup that you think could hurt this opponent, but hasn't necessarily been part of your staple or your rotation? Now we already play 17 games. For example, this week, we do not have games. So everybody's holidays. But beginning of next week, we're going to have half-season data as meaning, and we're going to go through the lineup, the more efficient lineup, uh, which kind of lineup play together and play well together, which kind of lineup you should avoid to have on the court. And also, now on the game plan, you can combine the lineup who's playing well and also what could be the best lineup versus also the opponent because I remind you, we prepare to win the next game. It's not because uh, the last three games you got a lineup who played pretty well, then it will fit to the next lineup of the next opponent. This is not always black and white. It's about being in between gray. And also, this is just a game plan. Because after you got the game plan, but you don't know the game plan of the opponent. Yeah. So after during the game, you have also to adapt your game plan. Sometimes you fucked up. Sorry for the word. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes yeah. your game plan is bullshit. Huh? So you have to change your game plan. Not often, I hope. But there is many, many, many things who change from the first day you prepare the game plan, then from the day of the game and during the game. Coach, looking at these stats, lineups that you should avoid, what are you looking at there to tell you like we should avoid these lineups? So that means often is point per position, you score in offense. Point per position, you give in defense. For example, if you got like your five men plus non, two non-shooter on the court, that means you got only two shooters to guard. And same thing, sometimes I want to talk about it for the next topic. If you got like your two worst guard to guard pick and roll, don't put them together because uh, you're going to have a lot of problems. So after 17 games now, or even more, 20, which player fit? And even though now we, we try to go further, we try to, to go, and this is the purpose of, of the next week data, meaning we try to go uh, which lineup goes well with which kind of plays. So sometimes you got plays. We got a three series with a 31, 32, 33, 34, 35. It's only ball pick series, but could be Spanish, could be short call, could be uh, whatever. Now we got enough uh, footage and enough, enough lineup to know, for example, we play a Spanish screen, uh, 31. We played since the beginning of the season 120 times. This lineup is a 1.3 per position. This lineup is 0.5. So all those stuff will help you also after maybe to know which kind of play you can call with which kind of lineup. I will just say one thing. We have to also, as a coach, really be careful on this because this is my personal belief. Maybe a other coach will think differently. I'm not a chess master. Often people, when you talk to them, they say, ah, coach, this is great. 
like if you play chess. No way. <laughs> when I play chess and I like to play chess, I push pieces and the pieces, the piece, the king, the queen, if she doesn't want to go there, she didn't have the choice. She has to go there because this is pieces. I decided when you got player, player, they got ego, they got emotion. Sometimes you say you want to run this play, they go, fuck you, I'm Karen. Why not? <laughs> Sometimes you draw something during a timeout and that's a long moment of silence when they come back on the court because they, two of them, they mess up. We have also to be careful during the game. You have also to coach with your feeling of the game. Honestly, during the game, sometimes I really forget this. Assistant coach, they give me some information. Watch out this lineup. Watch out because you are also too mixed between everything. But I really believe sometimes if you feel a good flow with a lineup, which is at the beginning, maybe not perfect, you have to go through what you think and what you see. Hey, coaches, we'd like to take a quick break to tell you about today's sponsor, Instat. They have been hands down the biggest resource we've used in generating our content. Their expansive database of over 30,000 players and 7,000 teams gives us the access we need to scout, notice trends, and learn from some of the best coaches in the game today. So join coaches of all levels who are using Instat to better prepare for their opponents, self-scout, and develop their players. By going to instatsport.com form and entering the promo code SGPOD, coaches can receive one free month of Instat Scout and 10% off their subscription. That's SGPOD at instatsport.com form. Thanks again to Instat for their support. And now back to our conversation. Coach, you mentioned your two types or maybe three types of different closeouts. What are the stats you're looking at that will determine how you close out? First, is the player you're closing out a threat, like a shooter? Yeah. Where he is efficient. For example, last game versus Levallois, we play Hornsby, which is a great, great, great shooter. Hornsby is 45% career, shooting more than eight threes per game, which is basically amazing. When he's driving, he's always, always driving on the left with the left hand. So for him, this is really simple. We got our defense. If you have to help on the ball pick situation. So if you're guarding Hornsby, instead of maybe tagging or bumping, maybe much more like a fake and a recover. And then if you close out on him, you close out deny and you force him to go on the right hand. And then after, this is where you can organize maybe more stuff with a player strong side coming on the drive to stunt and recover or stuff like that. But this is the kind of details we go through. For example, I don't know if you got the data scouting in front of you. If you're looking at the numbers of Hornsby, I got it in front of me, is a 1.42 uh, catch and shoot per possession and is 1.27 of the dribble. On the pull-up, you can see he's driving only seven drive right for 1.5 and 19 drive left for 1.1. So this is the direction we want to send him. Basically, on those kind of players, we don't want to D. We want to attack them. We want to force them to go on their weak side. On the weakness, when I say weakness, even 1.2 is uh, yes. <laughs> is good. But let's say the side is the less efficient. Same thing. When we have a non-shooter like Konate, when you close out on him, you close out contain, you stay, you don't give an orientation, you stay between him and the basket. Those who are a little bit more difficult is a player who are able to shoot the ball, but you never know. Yeah. <laughs> and those players, 
this is what I call X factor. You have to really be careful on them because those players, sometimes you get players, they can shoot, but they can miss. And sometimes it's a matter of a series, you know? It's a matter of if they shoot the first one or the two first one, then you're really in trouble. You get players like that. Sometimes you get players, you have to do the two first shot on them. If they zero on two, you know, they're going to disappear. So depending on those players, sometimes we are close out contain, but faking to jump or uh, faking to D like this. We oblige them to put a dribble on the floor and then after we contain. So, and you know, all those details, we work it on the court, but technically. Because the most important for me is to develop my player individually on that. Much more to, than to tell them, okay, we stand on the right, we stand on the left. Because sometimes you say to your player, stand on the right, and they stand on the left. <laughs> right. <laughs> and when they look at you, you say, right hand, right hand. They say, oh, they forgot where is the right, where is the left. So sometimes coaching life is not uh, as easy as you think. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Coach, you mentioned about maybe when a game plan didn't go right or a bad game plan or you have to change. Over the course of your career, have you found when you've had to either change a game plan mid-game or post-game when you're with your staff and you guys are talking about, hey, this wasn't a great game plan. We're going to change it for next time. Do you feel like it was more personnel-based? We didn't play the right lineups. We didn't have the right matchups, play the right guys. Or is it more of a tactical thing where we didn't guard something correctly? I'm sure it's a mixture of both at times, but has there been one that's been more predominant? Basically, it's a mixed up of that. First, the first minute of every game, it's the most important minute as a coach because this is where you're going to see if your game plan goes pretty well. Sometimes it can go well in offense, but bad in defense. But basically, often everything is connected. And also, you will discover what the opponents try to do on you. And then after, I think it's a matter of, a, let's say, basketball 15 years ago, Every team got maybe two ways to guard pick and all, two ways to guard off-ball screen. Today, in every game, you have to make 10 different kinds of ball pick uh, covering. You may have uh, three different kinds of uh, defense regarding uh, off-ball screen, regarding also which kind of player are using those screens. So you're always adapting to what you see on the court. Just to finish the last part of the game plan, so we got a big picture, we got those details, and then after, we always go to one simple question. What are the keys of the game? And this is overall what we put on the board the day of the game for the player. For example, I got in front of me the, what we emphasize uh, versus uh, Levallois, which is the leader of the league. The defensive game plan was really simple. The most important thing is to make them step back. What does it mean? That means in defense, we need to be strong at one pass. So Levalois is a team who likes to play really well basketball. They are passing the ball to each other really well. So those kind of team, if you just cut the timing, like denying a pass, even if it's a 10 meters pass far away from the basket, we want to do it every time. This is the way we beat them in the league game. We almost beat them in the cut, but they won't. So that's a single information we put on the board for the player. Of course, after we put all those details, but if they have to remember one thing, do this. And in offense, because we got a young team, Levallois was the best team of the league to run and to score points on an unforced turnover. So we really, really said to the player, this is the key of our offense. Do not try fancy things, make it simple. And if you're watching the game, they scored 28 points in the first quarter. They scored 11 points on five turnovers. 
Welcome in my world. <laughs> we came back cutting those mistakes. We were plus five early in the fourth quarter and they beat us in the last five minutes because we had five turnover who gave them nine points. So if I have to sum up what we said about game plan, my principal idea is to make the player understand only a few things, the keys of the game, and then after a few things on the plays. Basically, we will present maybe four or five plays on the court, maximum five plays. And on those five plays, we will not go more than a two sessions of 20 minutes. But And one more time, this is not the truth. This is what we decided this season, the season before. The way we are working, because we got so much work to do, because we have a lot of young players in our roster. Coach, with the keys of the game, do you find there's a limit? Like, keep it three, four. If you go to five, it's too much. They're going to forget. What are your thoughts on how many keys of the game you want to give the guys? Sometimes we go to two, offensively and defensively. I will not go more than threes. Sometimes in playoff, I can go a little bit deeper because when you play playoff, you got already a long season. In You know, player knows. I think between one to two, it's if you go too much keys, you already go too much maybe details. For example, I spoke with a young coach one week ago and he said to me, uh, what are your rule of life? I said, I got only two. First, you will see this is really simple. First, in the morning when you arrive, you have to say hello. Uh-huh. And second of all, be on time. But on those two rules, I'm a damn good asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say hello. And if you're not on time, you have me on your back all day long. And you can have 10 rules, but if you have 10 rules, you have to manage those 10 rules. And if you forget to manage one of them, player, they will remember only the one you didn't manage. So I think it's the same with the keys. More you will put keys, more maybe they will forget one of them. So I will say I prefer to have them focus on maybe one or two keys rather than, uh, okay, I got this, I got this, because this is player. This game <laughs> requires a lot of energy, a lot of the soul, and this is a lot of emotion. Because when you're playing a game with uh, 3,000 people in the gym, they are yelling, they are, you know, even sometimes you cannot communicate together. So I really believe you should go straight to the point with them, few things. And then after also, player likes details, but details on their matchup. Like, uh, you know, I'm guarding this man. That's my one-on-one. I know the one from Le Valois, Hansby, Shooter. So deny closeout, stand him on the right. This, they are more concerned about this than rather than uh, on the play, uh, two down or three down or whatever, you must go there now. This is my belief. Hey coaches, this segment of Start, Sub, or Sit is brought to you by our friends at Practice Planner Live. Practice Planner Live has combined all the components of effective, efficient, and time-saving practice planning into one easy-to-use platform, saving your most valuable resource as a coach, time. Ditch the Word docs and the scribbled legal pads for a simple point-and-click experience to build your drill directory, collaborate with your staff, and create clean, customized, and shareable practice plans in minutes. With over 75,000 practice plans created at the professional, collegiate, high school, AAU, and youth levels, Practice Planner Live is proven to raise the level of organization and effectiveness of any program. Listeners of the podcast can visit practiceplannerlive.com and register for a free 21-day trial and enter the promo code SGPOD to get 10% off your subscription. Thanks for listening. And now back to our conversation. Coach, this has been awesome so far. We want to actually move now to a segment that we call Start, 
sub, or sit. And so we'll give you three different choices, ask you to start one, to sub one, and then to sit one. And then we'll have a little fun talking about your answers from there. So if you're ready, coach, we'll jump right into this segment. Let's go. Okay. Coach, this first question has to do with when you watch and admire another great team, what is it particularly about that team that you would say, hey, this team is really well coached? So start, sub, or sit, their execution, their toughness, or their consistency? The three of them. (laughs) (laughs) All of them. (laughs) The three of them, because, you know, execution without toughness is nothing. (laughs) This season in the French League, uh, Levalois is the best basketball so far I saw. And they are doing really well in Euro Cup too. Coach is Vincent Collet, is French national team coach. Their timing, their spacing, the way they play, they execute really well. And they got a lot of toughness too. They're well coached. This is the team. I work a lot on them because I play them twice in one month. Believe me, it's hard to build a game plan against this team. With the toughness, I always wondered, you know, when you say a team is tough, what are things that you look at and say, wow, they're tough on how they defend the pick and roll or how they rebound or how they close out? Or what are things that always stand out to you about tough teams? I think tough team is a mindset. If I have to say this season, I didn't find this toughness so far with my team. And I think it's a mindset you must build from the first day, from the first practice. Basketball is about impact. Or you move forward or you move backward. This is about toughness and this is about consistency because every team can be tough on one action. But to be tough on every single action for 40 minutes, I think this is where for the moment I didn't find the key with my team so far because we are able to do it from time to time, but not for a full game. If I have to say something, always go to the next position. I think the toughness and the toughest team are those ones who are able to go from offense to defense, from defense to offense, always next possession, the next possession mentality. Whatever happened, a bad call, a bad play, a bad pass, a bad turnover, the coach will yell on you, you go to the next possession. I think for the moment, I was not able to, I'm not able, it's not over. This is what we missed with my team so far. I will call it the next play possession, the next play mentality. First, I really appreciate your honesty and talking about chemistry. And you mentioned earlier, your team has struggled to find a defensive chemistry. How are you with your staff actively working or searching for that chemistry? You know, what are you guys talking about? What are you trying to do in practice to instill this next play mentality? Like you talked about, build the defensive chemistry. That's a really good question. So to be honest with you, I think we didn't find the chemistry so far because we struggled with one player. I won't give you the name, but... Everybody knows if you're looking at our games. (laughs) I told my player I was really, really unhappy about the way we played and the way we practice last 15 days, which is really rare because we practice a lot. We are a young team and the way we practice is I didn't like it too much. So I said to them, look at, I'm not surprised. We play like we practice. This is simple to say that, but this is the truth. So we're going to war starting in March and, um, I already faced many, many times those kind of situations. This is not new for me. This is a coaching life. I always go back to the fundamentals. Always go back to the fundamentals. So in March, after the break, they're going to come back to what you teach when you're coaching an under-13 team. A simple deny at one pass. A jump to the ball. A basic concept of ball move, I move. We will come back to really, really basic things. And until this is not perfect, and I'm talking perfect, we will not go 
to the next step, which is after the ball pick, the index screen, and whatever you want. But we will come back to this idea of uh, you have to be connected together. If you think about defense, just moving with the ball without doing anything else, when you're looking at your team, you will have the impression of uh, everybody is connected together. Just this. Just this. I'm not talking about ball pick, defense, whatever. Just this. And we will come back to those fundamentals and ball pressure. Because there is one topic you sent to me, uh, Patrick, was to talk about a off-ball screen situation. I will tell you, if you got a good ball pressure, you can do whatever you want on a fair screen, on back screen. Because if you got a player who is B on the ball, that's really tough when you get the ball in your hand and you have to look at a flare screen or back pick and you got a, a great pressure on you. That's hard to make the pass. That's really hard. To, yeah. Sometimes it goes back as simple as that. Coach, you don't have to answer it or we can cut it. But with one player who is infecting the team, do you find that then, I don't want to focus on the player, but do you find that you then don't have strong leadership from other guys to overcome that one player? Or do you feel that what responsibility do you take on yourself that you let, let's say, the other 11 players get affected by that one player? That's a really, really good question. I do believe as a coach, you are the one who try to put your team on the track. And then when the player are on the track, on the same path, the team who will have a lot of success are the team where the player take the lead. The day you will realize your player take the lead, as a coach, you have to step back. I will give you a simple example. Last year, we had the last game of the season to move from second division to first division. It was the last game of the season. It was the first game we are in the situation to move up because before that, it was not the case. It was retied. And we were down by eight at the half time. I went inside the locker room with the staff. I saw the player talk together. I said to the staff, we live right on. We live right on. I didn't talk a word during this halftime of the most important game of the season. They come back on the court, they blow out the opponent 31 to 7. They were ready. So to come back to the situation of a player who got a bad influence, I'm still a young coach. That's only my seven years. So I've been assistant coach for many, many years, but that's only my seven years as a coach. One thing I'm really proud of is in seven years, I just fired one player. When I choose a player, this is my duty to make him have success inside our system. I really believe as a coach, you coach basketball player, but you coach also human being. You need to find a way to make it happen. It goes to a lot of talks. It goes to a lot of cares. It goes to a lot of basketball, a lot of video. Individual video is a great tool to share. It's like when you have an individual video with a player. It's not about sometimes being wrong and right. It's to find a mixed video who can fit to the player and fit to the team. Of course, you got your own belief, but as a coach, you don't want to be right. You want to win. So sometimes you have to adapt also your, your beliefs. So I will say first, this is the job of the coach. This is the job of the staff. This is the job of everybody to try to avoid this situation. Then after, the player has also to show some energy, some motivation, some... Uh, until a player try to, this is your duty to help, I think. Then also, you can use your experienced player. You know, this is the way also the human beings are, are working. I don't know if you got kids, but if you say something to your kids, they will not listen to you right away. But if a friend of your kids say the same thing you just has said before, they will listen because they are on the same level. <laughs> your parents, you're talking shit. And player and coach does the same. But if you got an experienced player or player 
work with you for a long time, mm-hmm. they can relay your message. So you have to try to do those two things. And then after, if it does not work, <laughs> you have to go to see your president and say, president, uh, I'm a bad coach, fire me, or maybe go another way. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, coach, for sharing that. Our next one, moving along and start subset. We're still playing. We call this tough to defend, and we're going to give you an off ball screen. So you mentioned good on ball pressure can control everything. So let's say the on ball pressure isn't great. So which of these screening actions from a tactical standpoint is tough to defend? A flare screen for a shooter, a shooter setting a back screen, like a rip screen or a veer screen coming off a pick and roll. The big man goes and screens for someone else. Flare screen, it will depend on who is involved. So basically, when you set a flare screen, this is for shooter. I will ask you the question, uh, does the big can shoot or not? Because if the big cannot shoot, I will go over the top of the flare screen. I will drop my big to cover the curls. And then with the ball pressure, with the shooter, I will never go under a flare screen. So we got a rule. If the flare screen is above the three-point line, you can jump under, but not on the shooter. If the flare screen is under the three-point line, you have to go over the top. Then after, if it's the five men, you jump on the same line on the screen, two hands up yeah. to cover the flare screen. When the defensive player goes out of the flare screen, you just come back really quick between your men and the basket to avoid the curl situation. If it's two shooter, let's say, the first action, I will probably start the same way. And then after I will take any risk, I will switch it. With two great shooters, I will switch right away the flare screen. On the back screen, it will depend where is the ball, because if we assume the ball is at 45 degrees, usually speaking, when you got a back screen setting by a shooter, sometimes you got a wing on the opposite corner. So the defensive player of the shooter, I don't like to tag, because if you tag, you will be late. And I don't like too much collaboration, like on a T-game, a switch-switch. In this case, if we got an offensive player in the corner opposite of the ball, I will tag with this player. One day also, a big man said to me something really interesting. It was when I was in Besiktas. We had a Gaspar Vinmars playing for Slovenia national team. Really powerful, really strong. He said, coach, don't tag. I'm a big man. Little mouse will set a screen on me. I will work a screen. I will raise my hands. I will have an offensive foul. But next <laughs> yeah. play, if he had to set a back screen on me, he won't come back. Yeah. He won't come back. So don't worry, coach. There is a, uh, this is a mix of everything. Yeah, yeah. On that back screen, the guy guarding the big, is he forcing away from the ball, towards the ball? We can force away. It will depend on which player is using the flat. Uh, first, what is the purpose of the back screen? Do they play for the low pass or do they play for the shooter? This is the kind of plays I will walk through with my team versus the next opponent. This is perfectly the kind of play yeah. I will... Okay, this play, they play for the shooter. So we don't... Basically, you stay attached, big men... You know the play, you have just to remember the name. We will yell for you and you will send sign of the ball or you will send opposite. It depends if there is a wing opposite. If there is a wing opposite, we can really tag the big man. And uh, after the, the long pass, the skip pass from uh, the ball to the corner opposite, I will call it, this is my basket. Just remember, we always want ball pressure. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Coach, with the flare screen, you mentioned if the big can't shoot, you know, you'll go over the top and sit. If the big can shoot, is there any difference in the depth or positioning of the person guarding the flare screener as opposed to if they're not a shooter? You can deny the screen. You can give this option to the player to deny the screen. If you go over the top on the flare screen, that means your big has to drop. And many, many good teams in this case, they will set one more time a pin down. 
And in this case, your big man, because he's dropping, cannot be on the passing line, on the same line to avoid the curl. So in this case, if we see the opponent is doing this, because sometimes the opponent is just, uh, okay, flash screen, uh, nothing, so nothing happened. In this case, we will maybe deny the screen and send middle with the big covering the, the middle two. When you say deny the screen, can you go a little deeper on what you mean by denying? Instead of being between the ball and your man, you go completely on the side, uh, you deny the screen, you go on the side and you let your man cutting in front of you. If you want to have the give and go, you can get the give and go, but you get your bigs who protect the give and go too. Got it. Okay. Coach, we got one more start, sub, or sit for you. So this has to do with minimizing a bad pick and roll matchup. So you're on defense, you're just trying to minimize whatever's going on in the pick and roll to not get burned by it so much. So your start would be which one you think would maybe be the best that you would possibly do. So trap the ball screen and rotate out of it and just trust your defense to rotate and recover. The second one is switch it and maybe load up, maybe sink in and help on either a drive or a post mismatch. And then the third one would be try to pre-switch a player out onto the pick and roll before it even happens. I will say this season, probably this season, I will switch. Switch, okay. This is the easiest way to do not go too much tactical with my young team. So probably I will switch. I like the third one, the idea of having a guard moving with the big and like this, and the big staying in the corner with the guard. I like this idea. This idea is interesting because this is an idea where you don't do, you attack. You take the lead instead of trying to cover something, you can be in trouble. I think those three could work. It just depends on which kind of team you got, where they are tactically, technically. So this season, I will go a simple switch. I'm not even sure I will uh, switch back behind. It will depend on uh, who I got on the floor. Okay. Probably I will trap after if they play the mismatch low, I will trap it. So coach, with the pre-switch, you said you, know, you like that third idea. And, and I know it's a little bit of a higher level thing and on the floor for players to really recognize, hey, who's going to switch down? What would be, I guess, something for the future, like teaching points on that as far as trying to keep certain players in certain spots? I will go to something really simple. It's a matter of communication. Just a matter of communication. It's a matter of practicing and communication. I do not believe you come out of a timeout and say, okay, we're going to do this. I don't have a magical tool and uh, I do not believe on this. I think it's a matter of a lot of practices. It's a matter of a lot of communication. You can maybe do it with some player, maybe not do it with everybody. It will depend also when during the possession it occurs. Because if it occurs too soon in the possession, I don't know if you can use it as a regular rules or just, for example, usually you get a lot of dots on the last play of uh, each quarter. We can find it. Maybe the future could be at the end of a position. But that means the problem is the screen is not always coming from the same spot on the court. It's not always the same play. I think that's a lot of work. I'm not sure about to have this as a main rule during a, a full season. I'm not sure about it. One more follow-up, kind of tying for me back into our conversation about building a game plan. If you're facing an opponent that has a big in the pick and roll that can pick and pop, can pick and roll, and short roll, and it's just kind of an overall problem, what does your game plan look like for a really good big like that, say, leading up to that game? So we are playing Mitrovic. <laughs> yeah, right, <Yeah>. basically. <laughs> <laughs> many, many early teams try to attack him in defense to put him in foul trouble. 
So that, right. maybe I will try this. <laughs> but you know, when I was in Besiktas, we played five times Cheska, Moscow and Teodosic. And many, many times we try to attack Teodosic and a smart player, they never make far. <laughs> they, never, they make the first one, and then, but they are smart enough to do not make the second yeah. one. So I will say I will probably take the risk inside rather than uh, outside because it's a matter of point per, per position. I won't give him the trees. I will prefer to go inside for two reasons. First, that's a matter of point per position. And also, when if the player shoot trees, there is a better opportunity of long rebound, which will go to an extra position. And if you let the player go inside, usually if he missed, the rebound are much more closer to the rim and much more easier to control. Coach, going back to the simple switch, your start, I love just kind of elaborating more on it, especially if you have, if it's a bad big man defender. So that's the matchup you want to avoid. Why is it that you prefer to go to a switch? I mean, I guess that sometimes it could sound counterintuitive that you don't want him to play in the pick and roll, but you'd rather than have him just switch and live playing that way. I got this problem this season with one of my players who is not a great rim protector. He's not able to step out, who's not able to flat edge, who's not able to be always between the ball and the basket. So laterally is not great. The quickness is not great. And I'm not talking about Ismail Kamagate. <laughs> and I won't give you the name. <laughs> but he's really good defending ISO because he's really good. He likes this challenge and he got an incredible wingspan. So I found with him, we cannot switch too early because he cannot guard an ISO for 15 seconds. But for less than, uh, let's say, 10 seconds, you can switch easily. I was really surprised, but he likes the idea of being challenging by the guard. Okay. So as a coach, you have to be really humble and try many, many things because you get your belief. And this is not sometimes because a a big man is not able to be a, a good ball pick player, then he cannot be a good ISO player. And also on ISO, if it's really bad on a ball pick and really bad on ISO, so first you sub, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. or you blame yourself because this is you who, who make him come. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you have to fight. You have to fight with him. And then after, you can also help him a lot on ISO. If you watch Milano or Barcelona or Cheska Moscow this season, as soon Cheska Moscow got to switch many, many ball picks. And when the player try to play ISO, their defense look like much more like a 3-2 than the rest than a man-to-man. So you can also help the player with the orientation. It, it comes back, come back to the dadas. On which player you decide to switch. This player, like, does he like to shoot? Does he like to go left? Does he like to go right? And then after you can, you can send him one way. When you send him one way, you know you got a player who can stunt and recover. So I will probably go this way with a player like this. Well, coach, you're off the start, sub, or sit hot seat. Thanks for playing that game with us. That was a lot of fun. So far. So far. <laughs> it's I, I, been great. I'm, still, yeah. I'm still waiting. The question will kill my hour. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> well, coach, we do have yeah, one more question for you. But before we do, thank you very much for coming on today and talking with us and being so honest. This was really fun for us. So thank you. Thank you very much. And, uh, you, you know, honestly, we need to share. I don't know how, how it goes to uh, in, in the other country, but I think all the coaches, we do not share enough. There is no universal knowledge. There is knowledge to share and uh, idea to discuss. This is the way basketball will be uh, much more fun, much better, and uh, everybody can win with this kind of uh, mentality. And thanks to you to, to get this great program. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, Coach. Our last question, what's 
one of the best investments that you've made in your career thus far as a coach? Let me think about it. This job, honestly, is a selfish job because like all the people who get passion for, you're in love with basketball. You're in love with basketball. This is the same if you are doing music. This is the same when you're doing such a kind of work. This is like a selfish job. So the first thing I would say, you have to invest in work. This is a lot of work. Share my life, but with my ex-wife back in the day, 15 years ago, when I was invited in a dinner, people asked me, what is my job? I say, uh, I'm a basketball coach. And they said to me, uh, what are you doing uh, every day? I say, fuck you. I just said I'm a basketball coach. <laughs> and they did not realize this is a job. And, you know, sometimes yeah. people, they see you on the bench the Saturday night. This is like uh, hours and hours and hours and hours. I think you have to invest on work. You have to invest a lot of uh, humility. You have to be uh, uh, really flexible, really flexible. And you have to never give up because basketball is about a lot of positive and negative energy. When you are winning, everybody will say you're the best coach of the world. When you are losing, you're them as so. This is not about that. This is about being consistent. There is a quote from a soccer coach named Arsène Wenger from Arsenal. I will finish with that. He says something I really like. He said, this job, this is to manage 90% of problems every single day. And the 10 other persons, this is a lot of fun and a lot of pleasure. But fortunately, the 10% are much more important than the 90%. I really believe on this. You have to always fix many, 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 many problems. But at the end, you're so much in love with what you're doing. Honestly, I get paid to teach people to put the ball inside a bucket. That's insane. So I never complain. I never, never complain. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please make sure to visit slappingglass.com for more information on the free newsletter, Slapping Glass Plus, and much more. Have a great week coaching, and we'll see you next time on Slapping Glass. Oh, do we have a name yet for this thing? I have like slapping backboard. <laughs> slapping glass. <laughs> slapping glass. That's kind of funny. I like that. Let's roll. <laughs> slapping glass. <laughs>